I get a lot of sweetness though. Okay. A lot of uh, sweetness, a lot of fruitiness, but I, nothing that I don't really like about it. I think it's a great coffee though. I'm all, I've been very fun for this bean, but it's, you know, I got it for more than a year ago, so mm. it's last year's harvest. Yeah. But I think that last year's harvest is, uh, is still good. I'm not one of those people who says that, oh, old harvest, oh, that's yeah. going to be bad. I think if you're a good roaster, then you know how to get the best out of that. Yeah. I also have noticed that often when people say that a bean fades, it's mm. often in spring or autumn when the the, the, the weather changes or yeah. the climate changes. Yeah. And so they use the same profile and it doesn't taste that good and then they blame the bean. Yeah. You're listening to the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstedt. This is a podcast about all the differences in coffee roasting. When you roast the same bean on a regular basis and do the same roast profile, it most of the time turns out the same taste, approximately. But sometimes it doesn't anymore. That could be the beans getting older or changes in the environment. If you roast in a colder environment, your beans will start out colder and the roasting machine will lose more heat to the surroundings. But even if your indoor roasting temperature is about the same all year round, the humidity in the air can change. Here in Denmark we got a humid climate. In the summertime, where the temperatures are above 15 degrees Celsius, the air contains much more water than in the wintertime. When the temperature is around freezing point, the air contains much less water. That makes the indoor air drier. This also affects the roasting. I won't go further into details here, but I have written about it on my website, coffeenavigated.net. Here in November it got real cold here in Denmark. One day I talked to Christian Skigliano, barista and roaster at a new coffee bar here in Copenhagen, Andersen and Meyer. They got a 15 kilo roaster in the back of the cafe area. Once a week Christian roasts their coffee. He just had this situation. The taste suddenly changed with the normal roast profiles. The coffees got dull and boring, so what to do? First, let's hear about Christian's background. Well, my name is Christian. I've been working coffee for about 10 years, but I've only been roasting for about half a year now. Yeah, and you also roasted earlier because I met you in your previous, previous job. Yeah, I was doing Lindby. profile roasting there. I wouldn't really consider that being a roaster as such because you're just pushing some buttons that somebody else tells you to push at the same time. Ah. So there's not really a lot of, like, of roasting in that. So that was a, so, just a little experience with yeah. the, just the first hands-on. Yeah, it's, it's more about getting to know the machine, I think. Yeah. Um, getting to know some of the, the principles. But if you don't have free hands to do whatever you feel like doing, then I wouldn't, call, no, it, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't call it being a roaster. It's just yeah. pushing some buttons. The reason why I like to interview today is because you're very good at using your taste sense and noticing things with the taste and adjusting things. Uh, you made me a cold brew that was absolutely fantastic back in 2015, I think it was. Yeah, I think so as well. And um, and here you told me that you're what machine are you roasting on? Well, it's the lowering of the 15 kilos. 15 kilos. Yeah. And uh, you told me that you noticed something. You have normally two two blends or two kinds of espresso for the coffee bar here. 
Yeah, we have uh, always one that is the, like, the main espresso. It's the Brazilian. Uh, and then we have like guest espresso pros coming up. Uh, once every week we change them up just to have a little bit of like alternative flavors. And what happened with the Brazilian, or rather, that's, that's what we're going to taste now. What happened with the Brazilian espresso? Recently, well, what happened was that when it started to get a little bit colder and uh, the humidity, in the yeah, and the humidity changed, uh, we started to get a little bit stale coffee. Um, I don't know if it's got anything to do with the roast itself or just the beans being out or whatever it is, but we noticed some changes in the flavor. It wasn't as acidic or fruity as it used to be, so we've been roasting it a little bit differently now, uh, just to make up for that. So that was a week ago where I joined you at the roaster while you were roasting, and then you tried to change something. Um, and what was your changes? Let me ask. In the in the podcast, we have a, a previously we had a theme where I asked people what, how do they decide when to dump the roast, and when do you how do you decide when to stop the roast? Well, it's uh, something that I've just found out uh, recently. Is uh, some temperatures are better for different ways of brewing so for espresso I like to pull out the coffees between 207 209 degrees but it's always just an estimate because the temperature measures they are not really telling Reliable. you no they're not telling you the exact temperature it's just something you use to um, as, a, as a reference basically yeah. and that's what I just use here I just want to mention that it was not possible to hear the first crack on the lowering You can't hear it from the outside. I have been told instead you can look in the dryer, pulling the beans out when you know first crack is approaching, and look for the beans moving as they crack. I tried to do that when I was roasting with Christian. But when I pulled the dryer out, some beans fell off and into the cooling tray. It's a bit of a hassle to remove them again at this critical final stage of the roasting. And you don't want these underdeveloped beans in your final batch. So Christian told me that he gave up on doing that. I tried to pull out the dryer a few times anyway, but I didn't get to see any moving beans. Instead, we focused on tasting the beans. Now back to how Christian roast coffee. Uh, and for filter, I do it a little bit lighter, but I also give it like less heat at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so espresso have like more heat during the entire roast, and it's about nine or ten minutes roasting for all of our coffees. It really depends on nine which and ones. ten minutes in total roast time. Yeah, yeah, and so it's the temp- bean temperature that makes you decide, and then it a bit a bit about how fast the roast. If you say that it's somewhere between 207 and 209, is it then the, 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 how the roast progressed or if it's the first batch or last batch? Yeah, or I mean, that's where I, I decide when I, when I taste it if it's a little bit too dark or a little bit too light, uh, uh-huh. basically. If I can feel that it's a little bit too roasty, I uh, would go maybe to 208. If it has that nice balance where you get both fruitiness and then like chocolate flavors and all these things, then I know that it's, it's pretty good. If it's a little bit too light, for example, 207, and it doesn't work for that coffee, it'll get a little bit like dry, uh, a little bit astringent, and we don't want that in an espresso. It needs to be very sweet. Uh, and also, has, like, I mean, I like it when it has acidity, but I don't want it to be this really astringent, like uh, dry, yeah, dry, mm. crappy coffee. Yeah. So. 
And that was that was a bit what happened when the seasonal change here this autumn or in November when it got real cold and freezing weather. Yeah, that was then mostly with our filter coffees actually that okay. that they just changed up a lot. Uh, so I had to really think about what I was doing with the roaster and try a lot of different things and we actually finally cracked the code that was to use less heat uh, than we used to and then um, stretch the roast for a longer time. So instead of going like 9-10 minutes, we're going to about 12 minutes okay. and not reaching the burner percentage of about 80%, we're actually going down to 70 and just going lower overall. And that's the point in how you control heat and fan in lowering. It's connected, so you use you when you you have uh, the burner can be at 100%, and then you adjust it to 30, 60. That's how you uh, work with the lowering. Yeah, that's how you de- you decide how much flame you're using, how much heat you're applying to your beans. Mm. Yeah. So in the last development time uh, of the roast, then you went on was it 70 instead of 80%? Yes. To exactly. see, and that's what we're going to taste now. Uh, yeah, exactly. What I'm trying to do with, with that is keep the shell on for as long as possible, but still giving the it... The shell? Yeah, the shell of the coffee. Uh, there's this, the chaff? The chaff? Uh, yeah, the, the chaff that is inside the shell. I need to break the shell and then get the chaff out. Ah, the string to, uh, in the middle? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So and that's what I, you're looking for yeah. Uh, when it's... Yeah, I try to keep that intact for as much as possible to develop some flavor in there, mm-hmm. but not too much at the same time. I don't want to burn the outer shell. Yeah. And so I give it a lower heat, get let it have a little bit more time before it releases the chaff. And then from there, I apply a little bit more heat just to get in like some flavor into the core, but then I just go down in temperature so that it doesn't uh, get burned because the core is very yeah. fragile. When I hear this again... I now understand he talks about the outer part of the bean, opposite to the core of the bean. This you especially have to pay attention to on a roaster like the Loring, because it uses hot air to transmit the heat to the beans. Convection. Too much hot air makes the outer shell of the bean more roasted than the core. Right at the beginning, the tasting you heard from, where we talked about last year's harvest. Okay. A lot of uh, sweetness, a lot of fruitiness, but I'm, nothing that I don't really like about it. I think it's a great coffee, though. I'm all, I've been very fun for this bean, but it's, you know, I got it for more than a year ago, so mm. it's last year's harvest. Yeah. But I think that last year's harvest is uh, still good. That was a Burundi I had roasted. That was from the middle of 2017. So a year and a half at this point. This recording is from the beginning of December 2018. The coffee we're going to taste now is the Brazilian espresso that Christian are roasting every week. They always have that on the menu in the cafe, ever since they opened in February. Christian say it's probably the bean he had gotten to know the best during his 10 years of working in coffee. That was the bean we roasted together one week earlier. We are roasting at Brazil, and uh, it's about to be done. And Christian has the finger on the button to open the roasting door. It's 208 degrees, and there it goes. Last week, Christian made changes in the profile, and now we're going to taste if it worked, comparing it to the previous roast that turned out dull and boring.
and one of them are two weeks old and one of them is one week old. Yes. And then there's the roast profile. And I noticed you went several times on the first cup, three times on the first cup? The first time with any cup is basically yeah. just because my palate is not really used to the coffee. Yeah. But after I've had maybe three on the first one, I go on two with the next one. Good idea. Just so, uh, I, it's usually two for me, but yeah. the first time I'm, I'm cupping, I always go with three. And the, the dosage was 60 grams per liter? Was uh, 13, 13 and a half gram for, okay, two, so 200 and, uh, for 210. 210, yeah. so more like 65 uh, grams per liter. Yeah. I could taste a clear difference on those two. Yeah. You could too. A clear difference. Yeah. Like I said, one of them is quite stale, doesn't really have a lot going for it, while the other one has a lot of flavor. Yeah. The first one was a bit boring and yeah. had this roastiness and the yeah. second one had more acidity, liveliness, yeah, sweetness, exactly. everything. Yeah. And then which one was was it as I expect? Yeah. That the the interesting one was the one roasted one week ago. Exactly. Here I will just mention that this is also last year's harvest. Christian couldn't tell me the exact harvest date, but they bought it a year ago. So most likely it was harvested in the middle of 2017. So it is also something like a year and a half old. And still it can taste this good with the right roast profile. And this is also what, because mainly you taste it as espresso. Yeah. When you uh, established that it was too, it gotten too boring and dry. Mm. Uh, was it with espresso? And can you recognize it in this in the cup here? Yes, yeah, definitely. That's the same picture. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can basically get it because I know this coffee is supposed to have like chocolatey notes, a very hazelnut, peanutty. Uh, aroma and mm -hmm. then the finish is supposed to be sort of like raisin where you have a sweetness but also some acidity that cuts through mm -hmm. and if you don't have this juiciness at the end then it means that it's a little bit stale yeah uh, and I noticed that it just had like a lot of chocolate but not so much of the other things a little bit of uh, like hazelnut aroma yeah. but not a whole lot so I, I I knew that something was was wrong with it yeah and uh, yeah I just changed that up and when we were roasting the bean last week, um, you pointed out to me that uh, it was three different botanical varieties yes. uh, and they're processed together. Yes. So it's from the fields that they have uh, three different. And what are the three kinds? I just want to make sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly. Ah, yeah. I don't speak Brazilian, so let's see here. They are Yellow Catui, uh, Mundo Novo, and Acaya. And one of them you told me was less, it was a bit boring. Uh, we tasted them uh, during the roast. This tasting the burning hot beans during the roast? We have heard about that earlier in this podcast. When I first tried it, I did burn my tongue. But I have found a way to avoid it. I have a cup with cold water next to the roaster. And then when I take beans out, I toss them in the water. It cools them quickly. Chewing the beans in the final minutes of the roast, mainly it is useful to see if the beans are developed. An underdeveloped bean is hard to chew. When I roasted with Christian a week earlier, the first bean I chewed was quite dull and roasty. That was the first batch. In the next batch, I got a bean that tasted much better. 
First I thought it was the roasting, but then Christian told about how it was a blend of three botanical varieties grown at the same farm and that they tasted differently. And one of them you told me was less, it was a bit boring. Yeah, I don't think it's it's a boring bean per se, but compared to the other two, uh, yeah. if you don't mix them, then it does get a little one-sided. Uh, and I think that one is the, the Akaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's quite small uh, and it's just like very, I would say very chocolatey, but it's it's definitely the one that gives you the base, the very yeah. the fullness of the coffee, but it's not the one that gives you the exciting part. That's uh, yeah. probably the, the yellow catui that gives me some uh, some fruitiness in the, mm-hmm. in the coffee yeah. and the Mundo Novo that gives us these very nutty aromas. And you said there was a problem. Uh, you have a problem with this mix. It gives you some problem in the brewing, or because? Uh, well, it's just my personal thing with uh, with blends is that you don't know exactly how much of every bean is going into every shot. So you might have one where you have five percent and sixty percent, and then whatever is is left there. But then the next one could be ten percent of one, and you know it's just just very unpredictable. In- yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, so you prefer I'm, the more uniform, yeah. the same variety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like for example, the uh, the Colombian we have right now as espresso is uh, Castillo. It's just 100% Castillo, and like the beans are so even, they're so beautiful, they're the same every one of them, and you just get this even extraction that is just good every single time. Even if you mess up by one second or whatever it is on on the on the brewing, it's, it's still just amazing. Yes, I guess that's about it. So now you're happy with your new, new winter profile. Yeah, yeah, for, definitely. Uh, yeah. I also just got the, the Rwandan up and running, and it's 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 really really amazing. I yeah. almost started crying by, by of joy this uh, this morning because we did it on the filter, and it was just so fruity, so perfect. So yeah, it was just really 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 good. Back to the question from the beginning: Did the taste change because of aging of the beans, or because of the weather change? It can be difficult to say, but in this case it happened with all the beans. That favors the weather change. But in any case, the point is the same. If the taste of a well-known roast suddenly change, it's a good idea to adjust the profile. A thing I found troubling here was the missing point for the first crack. As I told about in episode 5... I very much use this when I roast coffee. And like Christian talked about, the bean probe is not that reliable. It's always just an estimate because the temperature measurers, they are not really telling reliable. you. Uh, no, they're not telling you the exact temperature. It's just something you use for, as, a, as a reference, basically. The bean probe is not only affected by the temperature of the beans. It is also affected by the air in the roaster and by the metal body of the roaster, where the probe is installed. Batch size can also make a difference on the bean probe reading. Especially small batch sizes don't read well. So you shouldn't rely too much on the bean probe. Taking notice of the physical changes in the beans are more reliable. Like getting the start of the first crack. Now... Christian hasn't gotten further into these things because lack of time. They are a newly started cafe. Christian has only one day a week to roast and haven't been roasting that long. 
Instead, I asked Michael de Renoir. He is the one I know that knows the Loring roaster the best. He travels the world to teaching roasting. His own roastery got a Loring, and he is a consultant specific on the Loring. It was him who told me that the way to catch first crack on the Loring was to pull out the trier and look for movement in the beans. So now I asked him about the hassle with the beans falling into the cooling tray. Just start the mixer, he said, and open the outlet. That will remove the beans in the cooling tray. When the bean temperature tells you that first crack is coming, you start pulling out the trier. Not only does he look for movement on the beans, but also smoke. That I could see the day I roasted with Christian. A clear, dense smoke coming from the beans. The lighting in the front of the Loring is very good. Michael finds it crucial to catch the start of first crack. He says on the Loring he gets it from 196 degrees to 203 degrees Celsius, depending on the bean. I asked him how big a variance he sees within the same bean. There he said it was only around 1 degree Celsius. You can't make a consistency in the taste of your roast if you don't navigate according to first crack, he says. Because the bean probe is not telling you exactly what's going on in the beans. I told Michael that the day I roasted with Christian, he was doing six batches of the Brazil bean. All 10 kilos. So they should all behave the same in the roasting. But when we reached batch number six, the beans were still cracking when they were dumped into the cooling tray. All batches were dumped at 208 degrees. None of the first batches was cracking at that point. I was thinking that maybe the bean probe quicker reached 208 degrees after several roasts, because of the metal body of the roaster was warmer at this point. Michael said that the pencil body should be the same temperature after preheat. He said that the cracking in the cooling tray could be many things. It could be due to the beans. Maybe batch number six was a new bag, where the beans had a different water content than the previous one. Or something slightly different in the roast profile. Lower heat around first crack can give a longer first crack. And so on. It can be many things. So we are at the same point as always. So many factors influence the roast. Roasting machines are different. Exactly how much the bean probe is influenced by the different factors varies. There are different kinds of bean probes. And the construction of the machines are different. On my roaster, the Bullet R1 from Alio, the bean probe reading is very affected by things like the batch size and the airflow setting. I once did a test roast where I tried jumping from a very low to a very high airflow on my roaster, back and forth. It had a clear impact on the bean probe reading. At high airflow, it had a cooling effect, making the temperature drop 
I wrote a post about this on my website, coffeenavigated.net. By the way, the company that makes my roaster, Alio, have announced that they are making an infrared sensor to read the temperature directly on the surface of the beans. This could eliminate many problems with the existing bean probes. This infrared sensor should hit the market during 2019. I'm looking very much forward to explore it. From LEO's own testing, first cracks come at the same temperature independently of batch size and all. Interesting. Now back to the airflow. This is another weather-dependent thing. It is not only the power of the fan that decides the actual airflow in the roasting chamber. The airflow is also affected by the resistance from the outside. If the air is thick and the weather has a high barometric pressure, a certain fan setting will be slowed down. Less air will be moved out of the roaster because of more resistance. The exact airflow during the roast very much affect the heat transfer to the beans. So if you haven't got hold of it, this too will be a weather-dependent factor. Therefore, some newer roasting machines have built in measuring the pressure in the roasting chamber. This relates to the airflow so you can adjust the fan setting according to actual airflow in the roaster. First time I heard about this was in an interview with Kenneth Kasper in 2017. He was one of the four roasters in the roasting competition in episode 6 in this podcast. He had built measuring the pressure into an old toper. This clip didn't make it into episode 6, but here it fits in. What do you roast on in your daily? Um, we call it Theodore, but it's a rebuilt Tober. So it's a different... Tober, okay. yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's not really a Tober anymore, because it, yeah, it's the middle of a Tober. How easy do you find it to repeat your roast? Uh, when you've now, done a good roast, now, uh, now. can you make it taste exactly the same yes. the next time? We can do that. Now we can do that. Uh, but that's because we made so many changes on the on October. So everything is controlled, uh, everything from the vacuum in the drum. Uh, we have a measurement of uh, in one Pascal, uh, so we can always see the exact. The yeah, no, uh, on on the vacuum, actual vacuum, ah. how we remove energy through the roaster. So vacuum that is your, to control your airflow. Exactly. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the vacuum yeah, tells us that doesn't lie. If there's a lot of vacuum, you have a lot of movement on your airflow. So that's, that's just the way it is. It, does, it doesn't affect uh, the heat, it doesn't affect anything, it's just the vacuum. So if we make that the same, well, then it's pretty easy. And then we've fitted the inlet air, so it's actually where it should be. So that's the most sensible place in the whole roaster, only affected by the, the heat in the drum, just in the top of, uh, of where you put in the beans. And every time we change just a little bit, it's affected right away. How do you affect the inlet air? To no, 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 it's just, the, uh, when I say inlet air, is where we 
drop the bean shoot is yeah. where the bean comes in. Exactly. That's yeah. where. Just right in the center. Ah, uh, so yes. how big you, how much air you let in? No, it's not, nothing to do with it. It just tells us how much energy is in the top of the drum. How mu- how is the temperature there? Yeah, what is the temperature up there? And when we adjust uh, the flame just a little bit, it's affects here. If we put more draft to it, it affects here. So we can see it right away. It, it, it doesn't lie. And if we put and a little, that a, a that's, a, that's a probe, yeah. yeah. And that's connected to Cropster. So and that makes and things so stable. So that's a very good control point yeah. to have so one at the. And that's the inlet air, or is that the exhaust air? Uh, it's not the exhaust because the exhaust I can't use because yeah. that's that's affected by uh, the airflow. Yeah. So if I cut down the airflow, that gets less heat. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So so it's affected by the airflow, but that one before the airflow adjustment is not. So so that one doesn't lie. The other one does. <laughs> so. But the two most important is, of course, uh, is for us the Pascal and then, uh, and then that measurement. But that makes it so easy to do the same again and again. And then, of course, it changes a little bit if, if we fail to storage the coffee right. But, but we made a big space for, for storing the beans with stable temperature and humidity. So that problem um, is... Do you notice something about the weather changes? How that affects? Not anymore because I, I have a fan on the, uh, yeah, on the roof, uh, sucking uh, the, the um, chimney. So I have the same draft all year long. So I have a little bit change from summer to winter, but it's not that much. The roast is affected by everything. The roast is affected by everything. So the the the, the more you can. Do the same way, the easier it gets by time. That was Kenneth Casper in 2017. Since then, he changed jobs and is now roasting on a lowering at Cafe Mecca. He finds the bean probe at the lowering to be very stable. Anyway, regarding this weather impact on the exact airflow in the roaster, this is surely different from roaster to roaster, how big that impact is. Not that I know everything about it, but roasters are constructed so different. Some blow air into the roasting chamber, and then the pressure gets above atmospheric pressure, above one bar. The lowering is like that. Other roasters have a fan that sucks air out of the roaster. That results in an underpressure in the roasting chamber. That must have been the situation in Kenneth's old toper, since he talked about a vacuum. I'm sure he meant a pressure lower than one bar. There's so much physics and chemistry in coffee. I really love that. Then I get to use all the things I learned in my food science education. But it's not like you know everything just because you got a science degree. Just because you got hold of one of two factors affecting something, always more can be at stake. Most things in real life are very complex, and science sure haven't gotten hold of everything. So you have to keep paying attention and trying out things. That's it for now. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Just search for Coffee Roasting Navigated. 
and I always post photos for each episode on the Facebook page. Search for the group, the podcast Coffee Roasting Navigated. My name is Therese Brunstad. Some people drink coffee to get through the day. Others get through the day to drink good coffee.